There's no take two. There's no just a little more purple. Warts and all, you've downloaded the VO Radio Show. Welcome to the VO Radio Show. This week's special guest from Manhattan, Joan Bogdan. When I started out, if you didn't have an internal clock and you couldn't shave a quarter of a second, you know, up to a half a second on something, you didn't work because there was only so much tape that they could literally slice. Yep. And I remember this was um, maybe about five, six years ago when I was still doing all of Macy's. It went to another advertising agency uh, group. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be replaced. And I was... You know, they did. They replaced me with someone that could be my daughter, <laughs> age-wise. Yeah, yeah. But you know how it is. The talent is always the, the, the first one to go because they're marking their own territory. But, you know, while I was still working for them, I was doing, you know, sessions, retail spot. And I, I did one take and all of a sudden there's dead silence. And I, and I hear, see that they're talking with each other. And I said, listen, you know, is there, is there a problem? Do you need anything? And they said, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's like a second and a half over. I said, oh, all right, I'll fix it. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to just compress it. And I said, but, but I could fix it. No, 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 we'll compress it. And I thought, this is a 28-year-old kid. He doesn't know that there is a huge difference between using software to take off a second and a half and having talent actually make the hundred teeny tiny adjustments seamlessly to take that second and a half off. Yep. You know, and it, it, it's be, they have the technology, so that's what they do. The instinct whenever you have to speed up is to get louder, right. which, is, which is a real f- mistake. Technically, the reason why that works is because you use more air when you're louder and it takes more effort in terms of forming the words when you're louder. So when you take that away, you have more air to get through phrases so you don't lose the time where you're going to need to breathe three or four more times than you normally would. And because it's less effort forming those words, that goes faster too. More of that interview coming up later in the program. But this is the first episode of the VO Radio Show for 2016. I'm Andrew Peters. And I'm Robbo. How are you, Andrew? I'm very well. And now, not much has happened in January since we've been gone, uh, except mm. David Bowie died, Glenn <laughs> yes. Fry died, and so did Alan yeah, Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's been a bit of a shocker, hasn't it? Yeah. Absolute shocker. I saw a, um, I saw a great thing on Facebook the other, say, other day that said, uh, Dear 2016, please stop taking our superstars. In, we offer you the Kardashians instead. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Indeed. But, um, but yeah, I, I, um, I also had a bit of bad news during January. Um, someone that I did some work for towards the end of last year, quite a sizable job, got the good old letter in the mail from the receivers the other day that they've gone belly up and I'll probably get about one cent in the dollar. So, um, so that was some good news to tack on to the end of that as well, really. What would you do now in future with clients like that? Look, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because the client was one that I'd done lots of work for in the past. Um, and for various reasons, he'd moved on to bigger facilities because his work had expanded and, you know, the little home studio didn't really suit his purposes anymore. Um, and I hadn't seen him for a couple of years and then out of the blue got this phone call, you know, g'day Robbo, long time no speak, got this job that needs doing, any chance you can help me out? Um, so in answer to your question, I guess it's a tough one because you just never know, do you? Um, you know, I suppose to be fair, I probably raised a couple of eyebrows as to why he was coming back and maybe a phone call to the place where I knew he'd been working might have revealed the fact that, you know, he was fairly heftily in debt to them as well. I know that my agent in Sydney, Kathy Evans, 
she, if it's a new client, she always gets them to pay up front. Yeah. I think as opposed to a blanket rule, I will probably be saying to smaller clients and as you say, new clients, uh, well, this is about what it's going to cost. I need half up front. Um, and I do understand too that, you know, on bigger jobs, you know, you wait to get paid from your client before you pass on to your providers and all that sort of stuff. Lots of these people have, you know, 30 day terms and all that sort of stuff, which is difficult to manage. But, you know, so, um, so yeah, but it, it, it made me think about um, the people that we talk to on this show who are, you know, sitting at home with their, their home studios and get the email saying, you know, here's this fantastic voiceover job. And it sort of made me think, I wonder how it affects our listeners. Yeah. Look, it is difficult. No, it's not just the voiceover community either. I mean, it goes right down the line. And the most vulnerable ones are the ones who sit at home in a home studio. And you know what it's like mm. when things are a bit quiet and you get a call. It's like, yeah, yeah, you do anything pretty well, which is crazy. But you, mm. all, all the things that you said I would never do, I guarantee if you have a quiet week, you'll do it. You know, it, mm. it's a tricky one. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know, your little venture or big venture, I should say, real-time casting, you know, probably has a, uh, a few ways to circumvent those difficulties, I would imagine. Yeah, well, like, look, I do know that other sites have different things that they put in place to, you know, hopefully make sure people get paid. I mean, the thing we've always done is to make sure the agent is involved. So, mm. and, and also the other thing with um, union work in the US is you bring in a signator or a paymaster and basically right. they guarantee the payment. So that's why they charge their 10% because if the client doesn't pay them, they've still got to pay all the fees. Right. And then they have to go and chase the money down, which, you know, it, it seems quite cumbersome when you're sitting on the outside with all the contracts. And it is for the day in, day out kind of work. But when things go a bit pear shaped, that's when the whole thing comes into play and uh, protects mm. the talent and everybody else, really. Well, I think that, you know, that makes a lot of sense for, um, for your home voiceover dude who's got an agent and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I still don't think we've solved the problem for, um, for our little independent fella. And I'm not sure that there is an answer except to, you know, cover your ass as much as you can and take what you can to the table and negotiate something. So at least there's something in your pocket before you begin the journey because uh, you're getting to the end and then holding your hand out is um, a little more difficult because you've got no leverage, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, always cover yourself and um, get at least 50% up front. And if they don't like it... Well, if they don't like it, it probably tells you something, doesn't it, really? Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, if you're not ultimately not going to get paid... Look, if they're going to pay you, they're not going to have a problem paying 50 up front. Mm. Uh, and if they do have a problem paying 50 up front, you kind of go, well, if you're having trouble paying me 50 up front now... What's it going to be like when I need the 100% at the end? Mm -hmm. The good old, uh, the client hasn't paid me yet excuse swings into action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, look, I understand that because I, I, I work on both sides of, of that fence and I understand that as mm. well. I mean, when someone, mm. you know, you get someone to come and work in with you, uh, you either explain before they start and say, look, you know, I can't pay you until the client's paid me. Uh, are you are you happy with that? And if they go, yeah, I'm happy with that, then that's cool. Mm. You know, you factor in a bit extra if they're going to wait. That's also all I'm saying. That's right. Yeah, you know. a little on top. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we've solved the uh, one of the major problems of the world. Yeah. The <laughs> other major problem, I've got to say, and this has been happening to me of late, uh, and yeah. some of our voiceover community may have an answer, sinus problems mm. are the killer if you do this for a living. And it's something that keeps on getting me, and, uh, and I've done 
everything I can and I still have trouble. So if anybody out yeah. there who's a voiceover talent has a great <laughs> remedy for clearing the sinus problem, let us know, please, because it kills me. I know, a, I know of a great one. What's that? My, uh, my dad's a country boy, grew up on a farm. And whenever he had uh, cold and flu and sinus problems and all that sort of stuff, his, uh, his old man would go to the, uh, the kitchen sink and mix up some warm water and salt. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and snort that up your nose. Yeah. And uh, it's bloody awful. It's like getting dumped in the surf and a snoot full of, of seawater. But um, tell you what, it certainly works. It's a little patootie off. Yeah, well, I actually do. That is one of the things I do. There's a, a, a I'm sure anyone... <laughs> that is in this, I probably also use the same thing, but there's um, like things right. like Fess or Neil by Med, uh, which mm. are basically a bottle of saline with a bit of, I think it's got a bit of bicarb in there as well. Uh, yeah, you mix it, it up and yeah. give it a good old flush, yeah. and uh, which yeah. is good. In fact, I did go and see uh, an ear, nose and throat surgeon last week, and uh, he said, look, I can mm. do, I can give you remedies, I can... I can send you off to see if you've got allergies and all that kind of stuff. But he said, the fundamental thing is, doesn't matter what I do or what I give you to take, that the only thing that's really going to have any chance of working is flushing. But right. someone may have a, another answer. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. wonder whether it's part of what you're putting into your body too. wonder whether something like, you know, smoothies for breakfast with lots of anti-inflammatory stuff. You know, like blueberries and turmeric and all that sort of stuff. I wonder whether that would help keep it down. Actually, you're probably right, you know, because, you, you know, diet plays a big part in this and, uh, you know, and we all, mm. you know, like our lattes, uh, which right. are, you know, full of milk and that's not good. No, it's not good. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, maybe it could be a dietary thing. And, too. you know, you a go. nice, uh, you know, sharing a bottle of red with a nice cheese platter, boom, that's guaranteed <laughs> to do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. I'll let you have that one for free, mate. I won't charge you for okay, that Okay, beautiful. Thanks. Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot cheaper than the ENT guy. He was good, though. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're going back to school this week, is that we right? We are going back to school. Our guest uh, this week is uh, a talent. She um, went to school with someone very famous, uh, acting school, that is, as we'll find out. Mm. Um, she's a voiceover talent, but also these days coaches. In fact, I've sort of introduced her to a couple of um, voiceover talent in Australia, and she's um, doing Skype sessions with them. So great for her and good for oh, the people wow. at, the, at this end. Um, she's a very talented yeah. lady. Her name is Joan Bogdan, and we'll be talking to her very soon. But one thing I was going to mention, um, I'm trying to organise a, a guy to come on the show called Ben Sneesby. Uh, some people may know who he is, others may not, but he does get a lot of mentions on threads on particularly gear sluts. And the reason he gets mentioned is because he has a company called Bees Knees, Beautiful handmade microphones made in Australia, in northern New South Wales. He lives up in the hinterlands uh, near the Gold Coast. Um, he's got a big setup factory there and uh, he just churns out these beautiful microphones. So we're hoping to get him on the show and also um, do a few tests and see what they're like. Mm. And we hope to get uh, Robert Marshall back on from Source Elements. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? He's great. Yeah. He's a, he's a geek. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Anyway, let's get into our interview, our guest this week, and uh, it is Joan Bogdan. The voice for the voices. This is the VO Radio Show. From New York City in Manhattan is Joan Bogdan. Lovely to have you, Joan. Hi, I'm glad to be here, and uh, hi from the other side of the world. <laughs> Indeed. How are the martinis? 
The martinis. Uh, yeah, it's about that time over here. Well, I've, I've put them aside so that I could actually sound intelligent on this interview. Oh, good work. Now, you've obviously established yourself a lovely career over the years, but how did you start? Well, I actually, when I was in college, I was getting a double degree in drama and psychology. But I had the fortune or misfortune, depending upon how you look at it, to be in the same drama department as Meryl Streep. Ah. So that kind of puts a damper on your acting career because here you are in college where you're supposed to be doing all the great roles that nobody is ever going to pay you to do in real life. And I'm auditioning against Meryl. So we all had to wait kind of till she left <laughs> to get some work. But I, I thought, wow, she's going to be working. I don't know if I am. So I decided I was also interested in psychology. So I went to psychology graduate school and nearly completed a doctorate in clinical psychology. I was going to be a shrink. And, but I still loved acting and I was trying to dabble in it. And I took a commercial on-camera course and really liked it and met some agents. They started sending me out and then they sort of accidentally sent me to a voiceover job and I booked it. And as they say, the rest is history. But I think that your my background never really left me. And so that psychology part of me has always been very analytical and, and very much into the communication aspect of it. And I guess that's what also comes into the coaching. So um, I've been very, very lucky. I've done thousands and thousands of commercials. I've done big network campaigns for just about every type of product imaginable. So uh, I've been around. Imagine if Meryl Streep and you, and it had been the other way around, and you had succeeded and she didn't, you would have actually said, a dingo took my baby. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah. There you go. See. Actually, I, I saw her um, uh, a couple of years ago at a function, and uh, she remembered me, and, and, and it was really very nice. And then one of my voiceover coaching clients actually was a very, very good friend of hers. And uh, he told her, he said, oh, you know who I'm studying with? And I thought, yeah, it has a little bit more cachet, my saying, I knew Meryl Streep, than her saying, oh, you study with Joan Bogdan. Uh, <laughs> so how was Meryl Streep? Brilliant. And I grew up going to Broadway with my mother. I mean, I saw her, the first time I saw her act, I was floored, absolutely floored. And uh, she actually does some, she won't do commercial voiceovers, but when Ken Burns does a lot of their document, his documentaries, she's usually one of the voices. He just did a very big series on uh, the Roosevelts, and she was actually the voice of Eleanor Roosevelt. Wow. And is she good as a voiceover? Oh, she's wonderful. I mean, she's wonderful at everything. Yeah. Yeah, she does make you sick, really, doesn't she? I saw her as Thatcher, and it was like, oh, come on. <laughs> You're going to make a mistake, surely, but uh, alas, not. Great. She's terrific. Yeah, yeah. She's but good. enough about Meryl. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So being a voiceover in New York, how tough is it? Because uh, you're talking a numbers game, so there's a lot more numbers there. Well, New York is one of the three major markets, the other being L.A. and Chicago. In the old days, those were the three markets, period. And, of course, Madison Avenue. So of the three, New York was always considered the most competitive for commercials. 
trailers, especially when we're out in LA and animation. But New York, very, very competitive. And it stays that way because we just have so many people that can read voiceover. And also the nature of voiceover has changed. So it's no longer this golden group of people that do everything. It, it's expanded to all sorts of people because the golden voices aren't necessarily what people want anymore. Yeah, this is true. And the internet has, and technology has made it even more competitive because now over here, unlike over where you are, we audition for everything. Mm. Um, so we're not only auditioning live for casting directors or producers, but we're getting sent in our inboxes auditions that need to be MP3s. Once that happens, it's now not just restricted to the 60 people that a casting director can reasonably see in one day. It becomes hundreds and hundreds of submissions because agents all around the country are submitting. If producers are time poor, how on earth does anybody imagine they're going to have time to go through all these auditions? I have no idea how they listen to all of them. And if you are lucky enough to be one of the people that they actually listen to, then you have to make sure that that audition pops. Yeah. You have to know exactly where you're going the first few seconds. Otherwise, they're not even going to bother to listen to it. Maybe you change your name to Aardvark. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we never had to worry about this before because you went in and someone directed you through the audition. But it also, I think it's made um, producers... Lazy, because you don't have to actually do your homework first. That's right. Every major advertising agency had a casting department. I think there's only one or two left that still do, because the bean counters figured out that it's much cheaper to get rid of the department and farm it out to the same casting directors that used to work there, but now are independent. But now you've got casting directors that are trying to get work from the uh, producers, so they have to service them. You've got the agents that are trying to service the casting directors, and it becomes harder and harder to even, in New York at least, to even get the audition is a feat. Yeah. And especially, unfortunately, there is ageism in this business. So you can have someone that sounds like they're late 30s or early 40s, but they may actually be older. Well, the casting director may not bring them in because if it's a very young producer, that casting director doesn't want to be in a position where someone who doesn't look like their sister but looks more like their mother walks through the door for the booking because all of a sudden there's a disconnect. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, lot of things that have changed, I think. Um, not necessarily for the better in the business. I'm going to mention real-time casting here. When we first did that, we asked for headshots to be put on profiles. A few people said, no, they didn't want to do that because it sent out the wrong message. And to a point, that's actually quite valid because there's a good chance they're going to go, you know what, that just sounded a bit old. Absolutely. It's interesting. When I, when I first started, um, I was very lucky. My, the, the agent that I signed with and I was with for 17 years was um, a company called Trainum Robertson & Hughes, TRH. And it was very exclusive. They only had, when I joined, they only had 12 women and 25 men, and they all made a lot of money. Um, I was the low person on the totem pole. 
But when we had to do our reels, and they really were reels then, Chuck insisted on our having our picture on it because I think he wanted to humanize voiceovers more. Yep. Now, 20 some odd years later, that's very different. If you're young, you don't care. You put your picture on there um, if you want, you know, or on your website. Um, and some people say, well, I'm not going to put my picture on because I don't want them to know how old I am. And I said, did you ever hear of Google? Because <laughs> yes. anybody, anybody can just Google you and you're there somewhere. Yep, exactly. So, as I said, if you're, if you're young and hip and hot, it really doesn't matter what you have up there. There's other things that you can do to have sort of your image there that doesn't really show too much of you. You know, you could be kind of creative or have a, a caricature or something like that. But I also remember an agent who was the head of a voiceover department, a very well-known one here in New York. And he was talking to me about ageism. I said, you know, they all want young, young, young. And he said, no, they always wanted that. Just you were young, so you didn't notice that that's what they wanted. But he mentioned an iconic voiceover guy who had one of these voices that was on all the promos and everything. And he said, now, this gentleman is a grandfather, but he is the hippest grandfather you will ever meet. And that stuck with me. And I realized that, yes, if you're 50 years old, you're not going to be taken for 30 because how you think, how you view the world is different. It's not just your voice. It's, it's who you are changes. However, there is a, a wide range where, you know, now you're looking at the perceived voice of maybe the 40s going into maybe early 50s. And the idea is to stay contemporary. Yeah. Because staying contemporary takes years off of your perceived voice. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. And they get stuck in what they've done for years. Uh, there is a difference between males and females. It's more acceptable for a man to get older. And that's just unfortunate, really. Yeah. I mean, there's some ageism for men too, you know, because the coaching that I do, basically they're my peers, is people that are already in the business, they're established, and everybody goes through career ups and downs or wants to expand a range or whatever. So I do know that there that ageism does exist, but you are absolutely right. It is much more pronounced for women. You know, we, we have a double whammy. First of all, there are many more men doing voiceovers than women, although that proportion, I think, has changed significantly in the past 10 years. But I think it's it's something about that female persona and how it relates to authority. Uh, if you look at how many celebrities are doing voiceovers, many more male celebrities than female. And I, I don't think there's a, too many female celebrities that would turn down that kind of money. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, Julia Roberts and... Um, uh, Julianne Margulies or, 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 you know, and uh, Allison Janney. But the list of men is much, much greater. The one area of voiceovers where it doesn't hurt you too much to be older is in pharmaceuticals. And, um, and God knows there's a lot of work now in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Well, they have the area of the spot that in the States we call the fair balance, which is the, you know, may cause death and destruction and, you know, your ears may fall off and, you know, all those, that terrible list of things that may happen to you if you take this. Years ago, pharmaceuticals, as well as that fair balance, 
were read by men. And the way that they were read was pretty close to batteries not included, dealer prep optional, you know, just sort of like sped through it. And then it kind of started changing because if you don't want someone to pay attention to something, the last thing you want to do is speed through a read because the first thing that people do then is they go, what? What did they, what did he just say? And now they are paying attention to it. So they started doing those fair balance much more conversationally. And I noticed it first on camera. It was a Crest store, I think, spot with Mandy Potankin, the actor. And he was walking down this sort of white circular staircase and very conversationally as he was walking saying, you know, it may cause blah, 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 see your doctor if such and such happens. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And then about a month later, I see another pharmaceutical on camera where it was a doctor and doctors in training, like interns, walking and talking. And each one of them would say, well, it may cause this. If this happens, they should see their doctor. But And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And of course, it started filtering into voiceovers. And we'd go to the audition, they'd say, read it very conversationally. Well, it's not very conversational copy, but read it conversationally. And then I started noticing that I was going out on a lot more of those. And I was hearing a lot of women. And I asked a producer once when I was at a booking, I said, how come all of a sudden it's going to women? And he said, sort of kidding around, But I think there was some truth to it. He goes, well, I guess they figure no one listens to a woman anyway. So (laughs) there's a way to get this fair balance out there without anyone really paying attention to it. In a world world where only the best voice will do. Realtimecasting.com The young kids have grown up with computers, but people our age or thereabouts haven't. This is obviously going to be a handicap for older talent. Now they've got to try and not only read a script, dissect a script, understand a script, and recording themselves, and having to edit, and having to upload this MP3. It's very difficult to be talent, casting director, producer, and engineer all at once. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have young people who are fearless when it comes to doing all this digital stuff. And so I tell people, just learn uh, as much as you need to be able to put down a clean audition, turn the recording on and walk away and just be a talent. And then when it's finished, you can take your time listening to it, deciding what you want to keep, what you don't want to keep. But you cannot at the same time be monitoring what you're doing as you're trying to act it or perform it. Another good tip is don't look at the screen on your computer. Turn away from it. Right. Because you do, it, it, it doesn't help your read. You're, you know, seeing a waveform doesn't do anything for your read. It's interesting mentioning young people having grown up with technology. Young people have also grown up with YouTube and reality TV. Yeah. And that has had a huge impact, I think, on what is considered desirable in a commercial read. And we all know that a lot of reality TV is fake, but the impression is that it's supposedly authentic, that these people that are becoming stars are just normal people that were put in abnormal situations. YouTube has made stars of anybody. Yeah. And so we are really now seeing, I think, 
in voiceover the cult of personality. They are writing scripts for particular personas, particular types of people and personalities. And it's just a question of someone fitting that. And sometimes when you're in the booking and they're saying to you, oh, you know, do it more like a real person. Then they get confused because now certain aspects of the product aren't coming to light. And let's face it, the spot is written to sell something eventually. So that is the challenge, even though they say, and this is my pet peeve, you know, people say, it's like you're talking to your best friend. I'm sorry. I did Mass and Gildouche for six years. Now, before you left, Glenn Close actually did it, I believe, before me. But I never in those six years said to my best friend, I had that not so fresh feeling. You know, we just don't talk to other people like that. And yet we have to sort of pretend that we do. And I think some actors that come from stage and film that all of a sudden find themselves doing voiceovers, they get really tripped up by that direction of just as if you're talking to your best friend because then they actually try to do that. It's interesting, you mentioned something like Depends, you know, adult diapers. I was listening to one of those commercials uh, recently and I was floored at how young the voiceover was on it. Because the truth is, even though it might be geared toward an older audience, nobody wants to think of themselves as old. Hence, saying, you can age, but you've got to stay contemporary. While we're on that subject about staying contemporary, how on earth do you do it and sound contemporary? Well, I have helped people a lot through the coaching, so I know that it can be done. Um, And I try to do it myself. You know, we always were told for years and years and years in voiceover, it's just your voice, so no one sees you. But I think how you feel about yourself definitely translates. So if all of a sudden you've let yourself really go and you're not feeling hip and and cool and contemporary, that's a problem. And whatever you do to start making yourself feel much more in the swing of things Maybe it's putting on a particular shirt or something when you're auditioning at home that kind of gets you in the mood of feeling kind of cool or, you know, feeling, as I said, a little hipper. Um, The other thing is not taking your reads for granted and doing your homework. You can't have a voiceover career without really studying what is on TV, particularly. You can listen to what's on radio, you can look at what's on the internet, but the real money is what's on TV. And that means looking at what the visual is, noticing what type of music. Music in commercials has changed drastically. It used to be um, either stock music or jingles. You very rarely hear that now. A lot of it is contemporary music, you know, indie bands, that sort of thing. And so your read has to be able to work against that. And if you're stuck 20 years back, it's not going to work. How a voiceover is used has changed. It's not back-to-back through a spot. Sometimes it's coming in, it's commenting. Sometimes it's just the, the button, the end of something. So understanding how that voiceover fits in makes a difference. I always find Apple interesting because one minute they've got some edgy rock band, And then they have 
other campaigns with a guy that sounds awfully like Sam Shepard, whether it was him or not. I'm no, not it's sure. Peter Coyote. And that is the person that I use when I'm coaching and I say to a guy, you want to understand someone who's older but sounds contemporary? You listen to the iPad and iPad 2 commercials that Apple put out. It's Peter Coyote and they couldn't be more hip. And then they also have a few that are kind of more heartfelt. You don't even think about the fact that he's older. And so, yes, it can be done, but it takes work and it takes putting your ego aside, especially if you've been in this business for a while and you've had some great years. It really hurts to slow down. It really does. Mm. And it gets at your core. But what you have to do is say, okay, if I were starting right now, what would I be noticing on TV? Because I don't know anybody that starts in voiceovers that doesn't watch TV. Yeah, It's, it's natural. You have to, because otherwise you don't even know what you're doing. But we stop doing that once we start getting popular. And that can kill a career. And, and people say, well, you know, but I used to make a lot of money with, with this read. And I say, yes, and used to is the operative phrase. Who's been paying you to do it now? And even people who now, maybe younger, have a very specific style, always need to be thinking, if someone didn't want that read from me, what else would I give them? And that requires really sort of doing some soul searching and looking and seeing what's being used on, on TV now. You know, you can't afford to have it be a crapshoot anymore. You really need to know what you're doing. And when you hand in your MP3 audition, and let's say you decide to put two takes, you need to know what are those two takes going to be and, and how are you going to make them different? You waste a producer or whomever's time if you decide, well, I'm going to put down a couple of takes and there's nothing different from one to the other. And you waste an opportunity because you're getting a, an email that says, you know, one or two sentences if you're lucky. Sometimes it's just don't do it like an announcer. And you may or may not be getting really accurate direction in that. So you not only have to do a take that tries to do what they've asked for, but you have to then put on your thinking cap and say, hmm, where is this spot really going? And if I'm going to do a second take, what do I want that to be? Do I want it to be a slightly different angle on what I just did? Although they've asked for this to be very, very conversational, that it's about a bank product that might need a little teeny bit more of authority. You have to really sort of think about it. What should you open an audition with? Should you slate it or should you just launch straight in? Well, you need to slate it because people need to be able to identify you. So you have to slate your name. But if you're going to do more than one take, then you should identify that up front. So I would say Joan Bogdan, two takes, because I don't want them turning it off. I want them to know that there's going to be two takes. A big mistake that people make when they do auditions, at least in the States here, they don't slate in character. Now, when I meet, say slate in character, I don't mean if you're going to be a talking P that you should, you know, slate your name like that. But what I mean is if you're going to be doing a kind of hip spot, let's say, then be in a hip mood when you slate your name. I don't want to go Joan Bogdan. I want to be kind of hip when I say my name, Joan Bogdan. Now I can go into the spot and I'm already there. The other mistake that people make 
is they slate and then they immediately go in to the spot. Joan Bogdan, iPad is this, iPad is that, whatever. Take a beat. First of all, you can take longer than a beat. You can always shorten it when you edit it, but take a beat. It's your most powerful time. What are they going to do? Turn it off? It's only a second or so, but now you got them. Now they're waiting for you. So when you're doing a live audition in front of a casting director, and there's sort of a natural thing that happens that we slate our name and then kind of get set and do the spot. Well, you have to sort of recreate that when you're on your own. And someday, Andrew, when they make you all audition over there, (laughs) you'll remember that. Indeed. The VO Radio Show is produced in the studios of Voodoo Sound. Radio. TV. Find it all at voodoo-sounds.com. What was your day, say, 20 years ago? A beeper, not a cell phone. And the beeper would go off and I'd had to have to call my agent who would say, okay, uh, either here's what's going to go on tomorrow or I need you to get to so and such and such a place immediately. And basically, I would be running all around town. I would be doing X amount of auditions a day and then, you know, hopefully you know, X amount of bookings a week. And what has changed is that as you grow older in this business, the amount of stuff that you're going to audition for and that you're going to book is going to decrease. So we'll get that one out of the way. But the nature of how auditions are done has changed. I still go in person, but I'd say the majority of the spots are sent by my agent via email and I send them back via MP3. I do miss going in person. First of all, the voiceover community in New York is like no other. We always were extremely close uh, because unlike in in, uh, LA, we're not driving everywhere. We're taking buses and walking and we knew each other. We knew everybody and we knew the engineers and we knew the casting people very well. And the casting people knew us. So the casting people would know okay, maybe Joan is a little older than, you know, in real in real years uh, than what they're asking for. But I know her voice and I know her style and I know she could do this. And you'd get to read for things that maybe if it was just on paper, you wouldn't get to. Personal contact is um, diminishing. Yeah, which is too bad because there is a dynamic. There is something about human beings being in the same space, you know, and... And I say, well, you know, let me try it this way or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they could hear me say that over the ISDN or whatever by remote. But it's different when you actually see the person. Someone's reading a very sincere spot and they're looking sincere. That adds to it. That adds to their perception of of how it sounds. Yeah. Um, we, it, we get to do things to picture, which makes a big difference. Well, I was talking about this um, only recently in a blog Uh, about a lot of the clients that you work with now, you may never meet or ever talk to them. Right. And so you don't have that relationship. And this is where people who are really great at marketing and promoting themselves, and I am not one of those people. (laughs) Because, you know, I came from a different era when people called you, unfortunately, and trying to trying to change though. Yeah. Um, where those people that are entering the business nowadays have, have much more of an advantage because they think nothing of, you know, calling people up, let me get you my, you know, get, let me get you my uh, demo, et cetera, et cetera. It's easier to connect at least on that level with a lot more people. 
having real relationships takes time. I remember, oh, one of my producers, I forget what account this was, but I remember when I had my son, he bought me an outfit. I, I show up for the booking and, and he's got this beautiful little wrap box. You know, people don't do that anymore. A casting director here and her husband, who is a talent, put together a voiceover golf tournament each fall. And it's the most wonderful, wonderful thing. There are very few women. Last year, I think I was the only woman, which made it really easy for me to win a trophy. Um, <laughs> But it, it, it's over the course of a weekend, and we just have such a great time laughing and, and connecting with each other. We don't get to do that anymore. Yeah. Hopefully things will change. I don't know if they will, Andrew. I honestly don't know if they will. I think that it's up to us now to try to find ways to bond with people through these new mediums. It's funny because I'm setting up or trying to set up down here in my tiny community, um, communal body, where we all get together, talk about things, get to know each other. If you need to sit with someone and talk about, you know, some creative idea or you want to bounce some things around, uh, there's always someone at the end of the phone. I think that's wonderful. And um, it's something that, you know, even advertising agencies in New York are changing and They've all become, a lot of them become these big conglomerates where they've, you know, smashed together a whole bunch of them. When I started out, all the advertising agencies, they each had their own flavor. And you kind of knew when you walked in the door that this was sort of how they went at, about their types of spots creatively. And here's how this one went over, went after their types of spots. And you became much more of a part of the creative process. Um, not not that you sat there and said, oh, here's what I think you should do with your spot. But you were in a room when you auditioned with a casting director who had worked with the producer. Um, or maybe the writer was sitting in. You went to a booking where there was a writer, there was a creative director, maybe the client was there. And it was a collaboration. Can I ask you one final question? Was there one specific thing in your life that has been probably the, the most important and poignant thing that's happened? You mean in terms of voiceover? In terms of anything, really. Huh. Wow, that's a great question. Well, I think when I made the decision to um, do voiceover full-time, I had always been the type of person that, you know, knew that there was a path that I needed to follow. And all of a sudden, I was sort of in the great unknown. Now, I have to say... When I made that decision, I was already signed to a top agent. I had already done a lot of work, so it made it a little bit easier. But at the same time, I do regret not having completed the doctorate. All I had to do was a dissertation, and I had already been published, so I was very good at research. And I was young and thought nothing would ever change and thought, well, I'm never going to use this degree. I think what that did was made me realize that you have to look beyond just today and realize that nothing is forever. And anybody listening to this podcast that is having a banner year voiceover wise, that's fantastic. Enjoy it. Hopefully it'll last for quite some time, but know that someday that's going to change. So what is there in your life that really will also fulfill you when maybe voiceovers are not quite as much of a part of, of the picture 
yeah, making that decision was a big one. And it had some, I think, positive spins to it and some negative spins to it. You know, you could be calling me Dr. Joan Bogdan right now. <laughs> but does that answer your question? It does. It does. And I will start calling you Dr. Joan Bogdan from now on just to make you feel good. It would really be great if I made my husband call me that. It would be. <laughs> but then there could be another ulterior motive there. I, I'm not quite sure, but uh, we won't go into that. But um, yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, it's been great talking to you as usual, Joan Bogdan. And um, we wish you all the very best. And We'll speak to you again very soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Andrew. The voice for the voices. This is the VO Radio Show. So do I take from that interview, mate, that we'll soon have Meryl Streep on the program as well? (laughs) We can only dream, my friend. We can only dream. (laughs) Have you sent that email yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it bounced back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Now listen, uh, at the beginning of the show, we made reference to, um, to the loss of a few of our musical legends in the last month or so. I know it's probably water under the bridge now, but I, I just wanted to sort of say that um, David Bowie had a, a massive influence on my music preferences growing up as a kid, and I know he did for you too, right? Yeah, he certainly did. Um, Bowie, you know, and when I think about it, I can remember it being in my art class at school and um, our art mm. teacher used to let us bring albums in uh, so we mm. could all, you know, we you take one in that week and someone brings one in the next week. And I remember a kid at school, in fact, I still remember who it was, a guy called Paul Bird, and he brought in Aladdin Sane. So mm. I kind of got into Bowie then and then, uh, you know, I just remained a fan of Bowie. In fact, before my radio career, I um, used to sell stuff and uh, selling TVs and hi-fis. And uh, I remember I used to, um, when people ask to hear the the hi-fi, I would uh, stick on some obscure David Bowie track (laughs) (laughs) and watch their faces. Yeah. Why do I have why do I have visions of forty year old virgin running through my head? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I was never very popular. But one of my favorite yeah. tracks was <laughs> that I used to play and you'll see why. Um at the time used to frighten a few people out the out the store. Uh one of my favorites to play on those hi fives was uh, David Bowie from Heroes and the song Secret Life of Arabia, which I think is probably a great way to go out. I think that's probably a perfect cue. Lovely. We'll chat next week. Here's Bowie. (laughs) Go and buy a hi-fi from me.
The VO Radio Show is produced in the studios of Voodoo Sound. To polish your next audio production, check us out at voodoo-sound.com. Find professional voices simply all in one place. Realtimecasting.com, including me.